Hey there, I'm Melanie Reed, and this is the HR Mentor. Today I want to acknowledge that I'm recording this from my home, which is located in the traditional, unceded, and ancestral territories of the Tecumlips to Shequetman people within Shequetmakulu. I also want to acknowledge that in Canada, next week is our National Day for Truth and Reconciliation. September 30th is a day for us all to remember and honour the children who never returned home from Indian residential schools in this country, to honour their families and the survivors of these horrible institutions. It is a day specifically designated to reflect, learn and commit to doing better. As HR professionals, we are in a unique position to influence organizational leaders to take steps to increase job opportunities for Indigenous people and make their experience at work an equitable one. The business and education communities also have specific calls to action in the Canadian Truth and Reconciliation Commission Calls to Action. If you haven't read this document, please make sure you do so and specifically note which ones apply to your organization. You can find a link to the document in the show notes for this episode. This past week, the Government of Canada also released updated statistics on Indigenous people in Canada from the 2021 Census. There's also a link in the show notes to check out these latest stats. Finally, I encourage you to order your orange shirt from an Indigenous organization or creator and wear it to work on September 29th. Encourage your employees to show their support as well. I will be updating my In Solidarity page on my website over the next few days to include more resources for you to learn and engage. You can find it all at www.unicorngroup.ca forward slash in solidarity. I will also leave some links in the show notes to help you with your journey. Now, has anyone ever told you to calm down, told you that you were overreacting or being too emotional? Have you ever felt like you had to hide how you were feeling at work, with friends or family? I'm pretty sure everyone has experienced this at some point. And as an HR professional, have you ever had a manager or colleague tell you they just can't stand it when people bring their feelings or emotions to work? That's a huge yes for me. There are countless memes and jokes in HR circles about employees and their emotions, and I admit I have shared a few stories in my day about what I've categorized as extreme overreactions and emotional displays to organizational changes that seem small, such as, you know, moving a piece of furniture. And while these situations make for entertaining social media posts and fodder for post-week HR social hours, they're also really important. From a work perspective, emotions in others are important information that can help guide us and our decision-making. And from a personal perspective, they are important messengers that tell us what we need more or less of and when we need to choose a different path. Most importantly, emotions are not something we want to get rid of, personally or professionally, despite what we tell ourselves when we're upset or faced with an employee or manager who's falling apart. 
In today's episode, I want to share a few thoughts on why I believe emotions are important for our work life, our professional growth, and share a few tips that will help you use your emotions to your advantage and manage them effectively. I'm very excited and also a little bit nervous to share this with you. So let's get started. Welcome to the HR Mentor Podcast, the podcast for emerging HR practitioners to get practical advice, tools, and strategies to build credibility, confidence, and ultimately a fulfilling HR career. I want you to think about the last baby you saw or when your own kids were babies. Or if you have babies, just think about them. They couldn't or can't talk, walk, point, or otherwise communicate with you, except through their emotions. From the beginning of our lives, we use physical expressions of emotions to help us survive and have our needs met. We cried when we were hungry, tired, or needed a hug. Sometimes we still do. And when we were content and happy, we smiled and we laughed. Babies smile very early on in life. I believe it's around four weeks or sooner for involuntary smiles, if my memory serves me from my photos of my own kids. And when they're six to eight weeks old, babies develop what's called a social smile, which is meant to show you that they're happy or to get a reaction out of you. By six to eight weeks, babies are learning how to express joy and communicate with you. It's remarkable, really. And before we are verbal, our parents and most people around us are pretty comfortable with our emotions. They know we have no other way to get what we need. But pretty soon, I would say as soon as we're verbal, there is a jump in expectations that we are suddenly able to manage these emotions and find other ways to get what we need. How many times have you heard a parent say, or if you're a parent, have you said, use your words when the two-year-old is melting down in the grocery store? Regulating emotions is learned, but it takes time. The human brain isn't fully developed until 21 years old or 25 years old, depending on which study you read. So it's important to remember that learning to regulate emotions is a journey and a long one. That said, it doesn't mean when we're 21, we suddenly have all the tools to do this in all situations. It depends on what you were taught and what you were modeled at home and in social and work settings. Now, I'm not a psychologist and this isn't a parenting podcast, so I'm not gonna delve deeper into the why and how of emotional regulation. Just know that it's not something that all adults learn how to do, even after their brain has developed to the point where it has the capacity to do so. So what about work? As HR professionals, we're often called in to address situations that involve change, conflict, disappointment, bad news and good news, and expressions of emotion that have a negative impact. This means that we're often dealing with some really big emotions at work. Most of the time, these expressions of emotion are related to changes to work or the workplace and interpersonal relationships, both the good and the bad. Promotions usually bring about positive emotions. 
telling someone they didn't get the job often results in some negative emotions like disappointment or frustration or even anger if they felt that the job should have been theirs. When someone is frustrated with their coworkers' behavior, this can result in frustration or anger. And on the flip side, when someone is helping us out, it might lead to emotions like gratitude or joy or appreciation. It might also make someone feel guilty because their coworkers are helping them out. We've all worked with or seen managers also express their emotions to us. Defeat when they can't get that difficult employee to change their behavior. And frustration or overwhelm when the demands from the organization are greater than they have the capacity to address. The point is, there are a lot of emotions expressed in the workplace on a daily basis. The other important point is that emotions expressed by one person can often lead to an emotional response in another person. It has this sort of chain reaction. One of my most memorable employee emotion stories is about a workplace move. If you want to see some emotion at work, tell a long-term employee that they have to move out of a space they love and have laid claim to. In this particular situation, the two employees were going to have to physically move to a new location. I do think it was very upsetting for them, but they seemed to handle the initial news okay. However, the tipping point was telling them that they would not be able to keep their shelf in the new space. This shelf had their personal coffee pot on it, something they weren't really supposed to have in the first place, a plant and a few other things. And the emotions around the news that they couldn't keep the shelf were super intense. Anger, frustration, and a whole lot of tears were laid on the manager. Now, you and I know this wasn't really about the shelf. And the reactions from various leaders was quite interesting. Some just wanted to find a way for them to keep the shelf because they were afraid of the emotions that were being expressed. And I think in some ways, the two employees with their reaction caused other people to feel fear, embarrassment, and their own level of frustration. And then there were others who wanted to just leave them alone and tell them to get over it. After all, this is a workplace and there's no place for these kind of emotions at work, right? But when I talked to the manager about it, another approach was decided on, mostly because of the manager and how well they knew these two employees. The manager decided to listen and try to understand why these emotions were so strongly expressed. They discovered, of course, that there was a lot more going on than the shelf. The employees were feeling undervalued, isolated, and not respected for the important role they played in the organization. This allowed the manager to demonstrate empathy, understanding, and possibly a path to address the root of the problem. It didn't mean they got to keep the shelf, but it didn't mean they were more willing to accept the changes and have a dialogue with their manager about how to move forward in a more positive way. A lot of the managers that I've worked with would have said, I don't have time to entertain this behavior and simply told them to suck it up. This is the way it is. But think about what that would have done. If you guessed build resentment and further negative emotions, you're probably right. When our emotions go unaddressed or expressed, they still need to go somewhere. And over time, 
those feelings of resentment towards people who could have listened but didn't will simply build up until there's a final straw and we unleash or we leave. Usually on someone that the root of our resentment wasn't in the first place. We take these things home to our families, our friends, and sometimes, sadly, our poor innocent pets. Fido's not getting a walk tonight because I'm pissed off about something that happened at work. The people who love us the most and who we know will endure our emotional outbursts, there's, they're the ones that end up taking the brunt of it. Let's face it, even if we're good at masking our emotions, which most of us aren't, um, it doesn't mean that we don't have them. So even if you feel like you're good at hiding them, you're still having emotions and reactions to things that are happening. I also think it's completely unreasonable for employers, us as HR professionals and us as humans, to expect that everyone can check their emotions at the door. We do not suddenly become someone else the minute we cross the threshold to our office. Now, if you haven't had a chance to watch Severance on Apple TV+, it's not a plug for Apple, I just really like the show, I encourage you to do so. It's an incredible, short, an incredible show that explores this very idea. What if we could completely turn off our personal lives once we got to work? What if we had no recollection of who we were, our challenges, our families, our lives, the minute we got to work? And while we're at work, we only know our work persona and can focus entirely on work. If you think that would be amazing and a solution to all the problems at work, watch the show and then tell me what you think. In any case, we don't live in a world where we can sever ourselves from our personal lives and experiences at work. So, how should we as HR professionals handle emotions in the workplace? Where's the good in them? Well, for starters, I encourage you to consider emotions information. Just like an infant is trying to tell you what they need through their emotions, sometimes so are adults. No, not their need for food or a hug, although I think hangry really is a thing, but perhaps their need to be heard, understood, or appreciated. Or maybe they do need something physical, like safety protection or a more comfortable temperature in the workplace. Heavens knows that's not coming anytime soon. And remember, emotions can be positive too, and positive emotions can also be worth paying attention to. Employers today want engaged workers and workers who care about and understand the organization and its purpose. But what I don't understand is why employers and managers expect this without expressing any willingness to do the same for their employees. When was the last time your manager really sat and listened to what you wanted to get out of the organization? or take the time to really understand why you seemed frustrated in that last meeting. Too often we fear what our employees will tell us, so we just avoid the conversation, hope they will work it out with their therapist or their loved ones. But imagine what would happen if we took the time to understand those emotions and what they might be telling us about our approach, our workplace, and our employees. 
I get it. Managers are busy. So are HR professionals for that matter. But the role of the manager is to manage employees. So shouldn't a great deal of their time be spent trying to understand them and how to work with them? Removing roadblocks so that they don't get frustrated in the first place and can do what we need them to do? It doesn't mean that managers should accept violent, harassing, or abusive behavior. Nobody should. That's a totally different story altogether, and it needs a very different approach. But besides that, it's important to look at what might be going on to cause such an outburst. Sometimes it's something personal to the employee, and something, sometimes it's something in the workplace that we really need to address. Either way, emotions are information and important information that we need to pay attention to. And if we can reframe expressions of emotions from annoyances to information, it will make it easier for us to lean in and to listen. Instead of lambasting an employee and telling them they're wrong for having emotions at work, perhaps we could ask them why they think this is happening and create space for them to share. Simply telling someone you want to understand what might be happening so that you can address any issues that need to be addressed might help them open up. Not always, but it certainly increases your chances of learning something. Try to take a perspective of curiosity rather than condemnation and see what happens. Now, what about your emotions at work? You might be thinking, okay, Melanie, employees might have emotions at work and I'm certainly capable of listening, but is it, is it okay for me to have emotions at work? Well, I hate to break it to you, friend, but just because you chose HR as a career path doesn't mean you aren't human, despite what all the memes and jokes say. You are human and you have emotions. And just like your employees and managers, you are not capable of leaving them all in your car in the parking lot when you get to work. Yes, there are very high expectations that you can maintain your cool in all situations. But that doesn't mean that you'll be able to. And I think you need to let yourself off the hook for that. We deal with some of the most frustrating and disappointing situations in workplaces. We see the good, the bad, and the ugliest moments, and that can take its toll. I recall an employee that I really wanted to help who was having some challenges with substance use. I showed compassion, understanding, and as an organization, we did everything we could to help the person get well. I was fairly early in my career, and this was the first time I had experienced this situation, so I put a lot of effort and time into it. In the end, I thought the employee would be grateful for our help and support, and would willingly accept the terms of their return to work. But oh boy, was I mistaken. They were angry, resentful, and very difficult to deal with. I was stunned by their reaction, and it made me feel naive, which... I was. It also made me feel really disappointed and honestly a little bit pissed off. I know now it was my lack of understanding about what they went through and were going through, but I took it personally and I had a hard time hiding that with my boss. Thankfully, I also learned from this experience, but it took me some time 
And I can't say that the next time I was faced with a similar situation, I wasn't also disappointed and frustrated. Now, I didn't take it out on the employee or my family, but I was still quite emotional about it. And looking back now, I know it was a normal reaction. And thankfully, my boss was not scared of these emotions, nor was I told to just get over it. It was part of my learning process. And thankfully, with some time and a break from the situation, I was able to see that I had perhaps invested too much in the person's success without even recognizing that I had. Plus, I had a bit of a savior complex going on that was pretty closely tied to my ego. Like I said, it was a learning process. The point is, we all have emotions, and even as HR professionals, they can come out at work. So, what can you do to manage these emotions that you know you're going to have? I've got three things for you. Number one, I think it's really important to accept that they exist and don't try to push them away or make yourself bad or wrong for having them. Again, this is only going to lead to built-up resentment in you, and it's going to serve no one. It will also cause you more stress, which can affect your health and well-being, and that's going to compound your emotional experience. If it helps, journal about what you're experiencing, or talk to someone you trust who can handle your emotions. I find that both strategies work well to acknowledge what you're experiencing and to keep those emotions from building up. The worst thing you can do is ignore them. If you're feeling emotions, these are also pieces of information from you, for you. What are these emotions telling you? Write about it. Maybe it means you're trusting someone you shouldn't. Maybe it means it's time to ask for a raise or seek a new role. Maybe it means you need to have a difficult conversation with someone. Or maybe it means you need to take that vacation you've been putting off. Try to tap into what your emotions are telling you. Just like they are information about your managers and employees, they are information for you about you. Or if you're having a plethora of positive emotions, maybe it means you're on the right track to something and you need to do more of what you're doing now. I'm talking a lot today about negative emotions, but positive ones can also be very informative. This, of course, takes me to the next most obvious strategy, which is to manage that stress in the first place. Maybe that is what your emotions are screaming at you. When you aren't prioritizing yourself for your own well-being, you're probably going to experience more negative emotions. I know I do. As HR people, and especially if you're a woman, we are taught to be focused on other people, other people's success, other people's well-being. But we are also employees and people, and if we don't nurture ourselves or consider our own needs, it doesn't leave a heck of a lot of room to give away anything to anyone else. Don't ever forget that you are also an employee of that same organization. You are not an HR robot, so you are entitled to rest, to use your benefits, including EFAP and counseling. You are entitled to vacation, and I mean a real vacation where you don't answer emails. And you're entitled to be frustrated and disappointed, just like anyone else. My third and final strategy 
is for you to find constructive ways to express your emotions at work. First, you need to find the right person to communicate them to, and second, the best way to express them. So who should you share your emotions with? Well, ideally the person who can address the underlying problem is the best person. For example, if you are frustrated with a process or system, the person that can change it is probably the right person to express it to. If you're angry about a specific person's behavior, yes, the person who is engaging in the offending behavior is the best person to express your concerns to. Unless you're going to not be in control of your emotions, in which case it's best to bounce them off somebody else first. Now, if you aren't sure who to express them to, the person you report to or a trusted advisor or mentor is also a really good starting point. So how do you express them? Well, lucky for you, I have an entire process for this from my Courageous Conversations course. And if you join the HR Mentor Fan Club, you'll get instant access to an audio lesson that walks you through the five steps to follow to have a difficult conversation. There's also some helpful documents to guide you through the process. At the core, this process is a way of expressing what you're experiencing and the negative impact it's having on you. Your emotions are coming from somewhere. Something's happened and it's probably affecting you negatively or else you wouldn't be having these negative emotions. For example, if you're feeling frustrated by a coworker who isn't pulling their weight on a project, you could say, when you don't complete your tasks on time, I feel very frustrated because it keeps me from completing my tasks on time. This causes us to fall behind on our project deadlines and ultimately it will hurt the department and the organization because this is a critical project and our strategic priorities. Pretty simple. The more you can stress the negative impact someone's behavior is having, and the more you focus on this specific behavior, it will allow them to come to the table to find solutions. What this does for you and your emotions is it allows you to express them so that you don't bottle them up and allows you to take action on resolving the root cause in the first place which will hopefully reduce the amount you're experiencing them. Expressing yourself and your emotions in this way is a skill and it takes practice. So be kind with yourself if, if you don't get it perfect the first time. Ultimately, remember that you are human. Again, we all have emotions and 99% of the time, those emotions are telling us something really important. So rather than penalizing yourself or others for having them, try to see them as information that you need to pay attention to. Look, we all want to have positive experiences all the time, but that's not life or being human. So finding ways to recognize our humanity at work and staying human as we experience the emotions of others is going to go a long way to creating a workplace that people want to be a part of and it allows us to get the most out of our own life and work experiences. Now, before I go, I want to express a really positive emotion with you today, and that is gratitude. Gratitude for the community that's building around this podcast, 
and the HR Career Cafe on LinkedIn. And I also want to express some gratitude for those of you who tune in to listen. Whether this is your first time listening or your 58th, thank you so much. Last week, the HR Mentor reached over 8,000 downloads. I'm totally blown away at the number of you who listen and where you're listening from. This podcast has been downloaded in over 70 countries now, and the list keeps growing. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you. And if you would like to express your positive emotions for this podcast, please don't hold back. Send me a message on LinkedIn, email, or leave a comment and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, or Spotify. You know, when you leave a review or a rating, it causes those platforms to serve this podcast up to other people who might be interested. And that's just going to spread the word even greater. And if you're not a member already of the HR Mentor Fan Club, where you can get that Courageous Conversations audio lesson, sign up today and you'll get access to that resource as well as some amazing extras and bonus episodes. You can find the link in the show notes for this episode at www.thehrmentor.podbean.com, as well as a link to related episodes, the resources mentioned in this episode, and the sign-up page for the fan club membership. And if you haven't already subscribed to this podcast, I don't know what you're waiting for. Click the button wherever you're listening and send me your questions or some love with a message. As always, thank you so much for listening. Your time is greatly appreciated. Take care. Bye for now.